In the summer of 1964, a U.S. Navy Rear Admiral named Richard E. Byrd would embark on a mission to one of the most remote places on Earth. Byrd is a legendary military figure, having served in both World War I and World War II, even receiving the Medal of Honor, the highest honor bestowed by the United States. But his mission in 1946, which has become known as Operation High Jump, came months after the Nazis were defeated, and its objectives, officially, were mainly for research purposes. Byrd was asked to take a massive fleet of vessels and aircraft to Antarctica to explore the region, conduct some geological experiments, and test how military equipment would perform in the frigid temperatures. However, this was no ordinary polar expedition. Operation High Jump included at least 4,700 men, more than a dozen ships, including an aircraft carrier and a destroyer, and more than 30 aircraft. Even though on paper, the mission was to explore the area, to the outsider, it looked like Rear Admiral Byrd was heading to war. Six months later, Byrd and most of his crew returned to the United States, and officially, the mission was complete. But to this day, there is a growing group of people who believe that Byrd and his thousands of military personnel did more than conduct experiments near the South Pole. They believe that the mission was to find something so mysterious that it could reshape how we understand our world. But there might be a good reason why you've never heard about Admiral Byrd and his massive mission to the most remote corner of the globe. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm a writer, a journalist, and a podcaster. And this is Hiding Something, Season 3. Leviathan. Chapter 5. What did Admiral Byrd actually find? Before we get back to the story of Admiral Byrd, I want to set some context for why his story is so important. This season, we're unpacking clues, trying to determine if powerful, secretive groups and institutions are actually conspiring to control humanity, all while hiding right in plain sight, only leaving breadcrumbs and codes for those smart enough to decipher them. For centuries, actual secret societies like the Rosicrucians have covertly met to discuss matters of global significance, recruit powerful politicians and leaders, and many times conduct dark ritualistic ceremonies with strange, often obscured purposes. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's actually documented history. But contemporary theories surrounding these types of secret groups tend to break one of two ways. There is one side that believes that these groups have been at work for centuries, consolidating wealth, power, and influence to operate as sort of a global shadow government. According to this theory, with their secretive meetings and obsession with symbols and codes, they are slowly and methodically revealing their endgame to establish a new world order that gives them absolute power to enslave societies and possibly even conduct some sort of apocalypse that will forever entrench themselves as humanity's all-powerful ruling elite. For centuries, they've managed to accumulate and hide untold amounts of wealth, even plundering humanity's greatest treasures and hiding them in locations like Oak Island that can only be found by others who can break the layers of codes that they use to communicate with each other over time and cultures. According to these theories, places like the Denver airport serve as underground headquarters for their coming reign. The theory suggests that some people, like the filmmaker Stanley Kubrick, for example, have attempted to reveal their sinister plans only to meet an untimely end. 
Okay, sure, these theories can be pretty wild, but for the most part, they're grounded in modern understandings of science and reason, even if many of them have been proven to be untrue, or at least not completely true. Up to now, the stories and clues that we've discussed this season have primarily been concerned with determining if these theories have any validity or are just examples of people looking for hidden meaning where they might not exist. But for a moment, I want to talk about the other kinds of theories involving Illuminati-like groups conspiring to deceive humanity. If we're really going to go down this rabbit hole, it's only fair to look at the other side of the coin as well. Thanks in large part to the internet, there's a growing number of people who are convinced that these secretive, shadowy groups aren't just conspiring to rule humanity, they're actually working together as part of an effort to deceive humanity about the true nature of reality. The theory goes that there is something even more powerful than money, weaponry, or even political influence, and that is knowledge. Essentially, if only a powerful few know the truth about our world, those powerful few can control everyone else, not through military might or economic influence, but through deception. And when it comes to exactly what some people believe these secretive groups are hiding, well, the theories, they can get pretty wild. Excuse me, anyone ever told you the Earth is flat? I caught his smile and he wasn't buying it. Nobody wants to admit that they've been fooled, but it's happened to every one of us. If you look on Google Trends, it's like spike. There's now flat Earth dating sites. I mean, we've got songs. Why is it expanding the way it is? Right. If you get online, you'll see so-called evidence that seems scientific, and you go, huh, maybe they're onto something there. Science is having a problem combating what we're doing because they don't know how to address it. I want to believe this. This doesn't mesh with reality, so don't change my view, change reality. That's a clip from the trailer for the documentary Behind the Curve. The film follows several high-profile proponents of the surprisingly prominent Flat Earth Theory. The theory is exactly what it sounds like. Flat Earthers believe that our planet is not a round, ball-shaped globe, but is instead a flat disk. According to the Flat Earthers, NASA and world governments have been conspiring to keep this truth from the public so that they alone can know the true nature of our reality. Okay, look, objectively, it's a ridiculous thing to believe, but it's becoming more and more popular in internet conspiracy theory circles. I try not to be overly dismissive of wild theories on this show, but look, this one is just too observably dumb to take seriously. But it's not the only fringe conspiracy theory that links back to theories about secret societies and global shadow governments, even though it's the one that seems to get the most attention. Okay, so that, that brings us back to the story of Admiral Richard Byrd. Several years before Byrd's Operation High Jump, there was a secretive Nazi expedition to Antarctica that officially was a bid to expand Germany's whaling industry. However, not long afterward, Germany invaded Poland, igniting World War II and their conquest to take over Europe, and then the world. However, as we all know, Hitler and the Nazis would go on to lose the war, eventually surrendering in May of 1945. That's what makes what happened in July of 1945 so strange. Two months after the Nazi surrender, a German U-boat showed up off the coast of Argentina, one of the closest populated countries in the world to Antarctica. Then, a few weeks later, another U-boat showed up. Remember, this is months after the war had ended. The crews of the Nazi vessels were interrogated by Allied forces, and officially, nothing became of the U-boat appearances. Since then, they've mainly been chalked up to a sort of fog-of-war confusion. However, in the summer of 1945, the U-boats became the subject of international intrigue when newspapers from around the world began to run stories that perpetuated a very strange idea. 
Rumors spread that Adolf Hitler had actually survived the war, and the U-boats that later surfaced off the coast of Argentina were actually used to carry high-ranking Nazis, along with secretive technologies, to an underground base that they had built in Antarctica years before. According to the rumors, the quote-unquote whaling expedition to Antarctica just before the war was actually a mission to construct the world's most remote and top-secret military base. It was then, just a few months after the rumors picked up global prominence, that Admiral Byrd and his fleet set sail. Admiral Byrd's mission lasted months, and at least four of his men were killed during the mission. Remember, officially, this was just for research purposes. Operation High Jump was actually just one of several massive missions to Antarctica after World War II by American and British forces that seemed to have culminated in 1958 when the United States launched three nuclear bombs from Antarctica as part of what's known as Operation Argus. It would be nearly 30 years before Argus would be declassified. Now officially, the Operation Argus nuclear bombs over Antarctica, they were also only done for quote, research purposes. For a second, think about how crazy that is. It's documented history that in the 1940s and 50s, the U.S. was embarking on massive military missions to Antarctica to actually launch top-secret nuclear bombs over the region. Now, on paper, each of these events independently all sound sort of strange, even if the military has released explanations for them. But conspiracy theories have linked them through what they claim are additional clues from the time. A few years before Operation High Jump, a high-ranking Nazi leader and naval captain named Karl Donnes bragged about building Adolf Hitler a, quote, impregnable fortress in, quote, another part of the world. Some conspiracy theorists suggest that Donnes was actually referencing what they call Base 211, a massive secret underground city hiding underneath Antarctica. Okay, now theories about Base 211? They can get pretty wild. Some think it's a highly advanced bunker where Nazis stash secretive, super-advanced technologies like flying saucer-shaped aircraft and precious historic treasures pillaged during their global conquest. Others believe that the bunker is actually an opening to what they call, quote, hollow earth, a hidden earth within the earth that may or may not be home to another race of giant superhumans. That speculation was actually fueled by a newspaper article that ran in the 1940s. A now infamous article published in a Chilean newspaper called El Mercurio said this, and I'm quoting from the actual newspaper from 1947. Admiral Richard E. Byrd warned today that the United States should adopt measures of protection against the possibility of an invasion of the country by hostile planes coming from the polar regions. The admiral explained that he was not trying to scare anyone, but the cruel reality in this case of a new war, the United States could be attacked by planes flying over one or both poles. End quote. The admiral explained that he was not trying to scare anyone, but the cruel reality is that in the case of a new war, the United States could be attacked by planes flying over one or both poles. End quote. Okay, now look, it's very likely that Byrd could have just been referencing the rapid evolution of aviation technology and our need to think about its implication to modern defense. But the wording of that article, it's fueled a lot of conspiracy fires over the years. Then, there's this. What's up, guys? Hope everybody's doing well and having a great day. In this video, we're going to Google Earth. Got a couple of areas that have been shared with me of what look like underground openings in the earth one's kind of camouflaged and and one's out in the open both fairly good size going to take a look at those here in just a moment 
That's a video from a popular YouTube channel called Mr. MBB33 titled, quote, huge cave opening covered with an iron dome in Antarctica appears to go deep underground, end quote. In the video, the friendly host looks at satellite imagery of specific Google map coordinates that appear to show large holes or caves in very remote parts of the world, including, you guessed it, in Antarctica. Now I'm going to take you guys to another uh, what looks like a vent to me that goes into the earth and it's down here in Antarctica. To me, that is a vent that is not a pond or a large lake. This is over 150 feet wide. That looks like a vent, some sort of a thermal vent possibly that goes underground. You can tell right here the snow is much darker than any of the snow in the surrounding area. That would imply, at least to me, that there's a heat transfer going on. There's some sort of heat coming out of the ground. And also this top part here, to me, looks like it's made of uh, some sort of a metal or, or metal alloy. Even though I'm very confident there's a rational and likely a natural explanation, the images, they're pretty compelling. To me, that looks like darkness of what goes underground inside this large cavern. This here looks like a man-made structure to me. Lakes don't look like that. This is like some sort of a, a support bar. That's the way I look at it. That looks like a helmet almost, like some sort of a, a dome. And again, the snow here is very dirty and dark, and that would indicate a heat transfer, like the, the heat is melting the snow, and it, you know how snow gets in the wintertime when you have a warm spell, the snow kind of melts and it gets dirty. Well, that's kind of what that reminds me of right there. But again, I'm just analyzing this from Google Earth, a thousand feet in the air is about as close as I can get before it gets too pixelated. To me, that looks like some sort of a dome over an opening that goes in the ground down in Antarctica and you can find that area here uh, at these coordinates and there's no obvious volcano here either that's the thing this is kind of out here by itself there's no nearby volcanoes that would imply some sort of you know volcanic activity here I get it this all sounds really crazy and there's a lot of weirdness here but as crazy as it sounds the people who adhere to this theory they do have some interesting evidence that's worth investigating. If you start going down this internet rabbit hole, you'll likely see references to a lost diary of Admiral Richard Byrd, in which he describes encountering strange flying machines coming out of the ground in Antarctica. Apparently, the diary was found by Byrd's son, who later leaked it to the public. The conspiracy theory goes that Byrd's mission ended when he got into an aerial battle with highly advanced aircraft outside of the entrance of Base 211. The subsequent military missions to the region were to wage counterstrikes that culminated in 1958 when the U.S. ended up dropping nukes over the area. However, even though that diary is constantly referenced within conspiracy theory circles, I couldn't find any evidence that it actually ever really existed. Admiral Byrd did have one of his lost diaries found years after his death, but it didn't say anything about a hidden city underneath Antarctica. And I couldn't find anything about his son leaking anything to the public either. Though, there is one sad footnote that seems relevant here. The following is from a passage in a story that ran in the Baltimore Sun in 1988. The old man found dead in the vacant debris-strewn warehouse Monday looked like a derelict. He was wearing what appeared to be green workman's clothes and one shoe. The custodian who found him recalls having run him off the property a few days earlier. He had seemed a polite nuisance, just another drifter looking for a dry place to sleep. But the man, who died of malnutrition and dehydration according to early tests, 
was not one of Baltimore's homeless. He was Richard E. Byrd Jr., 68, of Boston. Harvard graduate, father of four grown sons, grandfather of six, and the only son of Admiral Richard Evelyn Byrd, the polar explorer and national hero. How Byrd came to die in a seedy mill district warehouse is a mystery. Where he was and what he did over the last three weeks is unknown. As the story explains, Admiral Byrd's son, the one who conspiracy theorists claim leaked the strange hidden diary, was 68 at the time he died. Here's another portion of a story that ran in the Washington Post in 1988. Byrd, a Harvard graduate, Boston resident, and father of four adult sons, was last seen by his family September 13th when he left South Station in Boston, police said. He was en route to Washington for a National Geographic ceremony to unveil a stamp in honor of his father. I put him on a train and my wife was supposed to meet him, Leverett Bird, one of Bird's sons, told the Baltimore Sun. What happened in between? I don't know. It's very strange, this whole thing. We're trying to come to grips with it. To this day, no one knows how he ended up dead in a warehouse in Baltimore. But... Even though that strange diary from Admiral Byrd describing an entryway to the bunker at the edge of Hollow Earth probably doesn't exist, proponents of the theory have more quote-unquote evidence to support their seemingly crazy idea. In fact, they have a former U.S. president on their side. In the late 1770s, then-President John Quincy Adams had become fascinated with the teachings of two men, a prominent newspaper editor named Jeremiah Reynolds and a former army officer named John Cleve Sims Jr. The duo traveled the country, writing papers and conducting lectures supporting the, quote, theory of holes at the poles and people possibly living inside the planet, end quote. Essentially, the two men believed that there was an entrance to a hidden underworld at the South Pole, and inside of this underworld was possibly a strange race of super people. And they took this theory very, very seriously. So much so that they presented their evidence to the United States House of Representatives, who found their findings so compelling that they would go on to pass a resolution formally asking President Adams to launch an American expedition to the South Pole. In 1826, Adams wrote this in his personal journal. Again, as crazy as this sounds, this is an actual journal entry from a sitting United States president. Mr. Reynolds is a man who has been lecturing about the country in support of Captain John Cleve Sims' theory that the Earth is a hollow sphere open at the poles. His lectures are said to have been well attended and much approved as exhibitions of genius and of science. But the theory itself has been so much ridiculed and is in truth so visionary that Reynolds has now varied his purpose to the proposition of fitting out a voyage of circumnavigation to the Southern Ocean. He has obtained numerous signatures in Baltimore to a memorial to Congress for this object, which he says otherwise will be very powerfully supported. Adam seemed legitimately excited about the plan to explore the South Pole and look for the mysterious underworld that Reynolds was so convinced of. However, the plan to launch the actual mission was scrapped after Adams lost his re-election bid a few months later. There's also this more modern development in the story. Here's a clip from ABC 10 News. Tonight's Fact or Fiction is brought to you by America's Finest Carpet. In tonight's Fact or Fiction, we're looking into an image from Google Earth. It's getting some buzz. It shows an area of Antarctica that some people claim clearly has pyramids covered in snow. 
Though the newscaster assures viewers that what they're seeing in the Google Earth images is a natural phenomenon, if you look at the specific GPS coordinates in Google Earth, it really does look like there's a massive snow-covered pyramid hiding in Antarctica. I'll drop the coordinates in the show notes if you want to see it for yourself. Anyways, John Quincy Adams, he isn't the only U.S. president to make a strange mention of a literal underworld. Two decades after he attempted to send a fleet to the South Pole, in 1848, Abraham Lincoln was at a campaign event being held at Niagara Falls. While making a speech, he looked at the falls and he made this curiously poetic statement. It calls up the indefinite past, when Columbus first sought this continent, when Christ suffered on the cross, when Moses led Israel through the Red Sea, nay, even when Adam first came from the hand of his maker, then as now, Niagara was roaring here. The eyes of that species of extinct giants, whose bones fill the mounds of America, have gazed on Niagara, as ours do now. Contemporary with the whole race of men, and older than the first man, Niagara is strong, and fresh today as 10,000 years ago. Did you catch that? Abraham Lincoln casually referenced, quote, that species of extinct giants whose bones fill the mounds of America. That's an actual speech from President Lincoln. What or who is he referring to here? Who are these race of buried giants? And why is no one else talking about them? Again, on the surface, these seem just like weird historical footnotes. But for people who are proponents of the, quote, hollow earth theory, their validation For people who believe that secretive, powerful groups are really hiding something, it only makes sense that they would be hiding something really, really big, like, say, underground cities inhabited by giants, the global elite, incredible technologies, and even Nazi castaways. And ideas about a secretive underground civilization are central to many Illuminati-related conspiracies. And just a heads up, here's where things can get pretty dark. One of the examples that he talked to me about was in Colorado, where he went down into granite, and so they're they're blasting down into granite, and suddenly they came to a cavity that shouldn't have been there. So they went down to explore what was going on, what this cavity was, and it turned out to have in it a UFO and uh, an alien body. Now, this had occurred so long ago that there was actually, like, quartz that had formed over the ship and the alien's body. This was the first clue that he had that aliens had been here living in the Earth for probably millions of years. When we think about being invaded by aliens, forget it. They're already here and they have been here. They've been a part of our life since the beginning. That's the voice of Synthony Dreyer, the former wife of a man named Phil Schneider, from a YouTube video on a channel called The International. Her former husband, Phil Schneider, was a geologist and engineer who worked for the U.S. government and claimed to have worked on deep underground top-secret structures for the military. According to Schneider, the true purpose of these underground cities was for a new world order of military and government officials to meet with and conduct experiments with races of reptilian-like aliens who possess powerful technology. But according to his family, they also had darker demands. To me, the number was like 21 people originally went down. He Again, they're blasting holes and suddenly they discover that there's a cavern already there. So they go down and explore what's going on there. And they find um, lizard 
aliens, dracos is what he would call them. So they're big, tall, reptilian looking. Yeah, they der derive one of their happy drugs from us. So when they frighten us and we get the adrenaline going, yeah, um, that's like a drug to them. But then they eat our blood. Really? Yeah, they eat it. Yeah, they want our blood and they, they eat our body parts. In 1995, Schneider delivered a now infamous lecture where he claimed to blow the whistle on this dark alliance between mankind and underground blood-drinking lizard people. The main topic of my discussion here is to link up basically what's going on with these deep underground military bases, what they're being used for, what is the present situation now being employed both by our federal government, which is slowly being phased out, by the uh, United Nations government, as well as the New World, end quote, the New World Order, which is an even uh, uh, higher entity, and who these higher entities are taking their orders from. That's a clip from the actual lecture. He went as far as to claim that there was a violent skirmish between officials and reptilians in a remote part of New Mexico, outside of one of the entryways to one of these underground cities. It does seem notable that in the years since, the area has been home to a number of strange, seemingly unexplainable cattle mutilations. However, not long after his lecture, Schneider's body was found in his apartment. Officially, his death was ruled a suicide, but because of the gruesome manner of his death, conspiracy theorists have maintained suspicions about what really happened to Phil Schneider. And the late Phil Schneider, he's not alone in linking the New World Order with underground lizard people. When this started to come in, people who, who were kind of into my stuff uh, up to that point, which was kind of regular fight, well, it was a bit strange because it was all the way the war was manipulated by a few people, but it was all kind of regular stuff. Um, and then I, I came across with this stuff. and it was Get like, it out of the way. Don't mention the reptiles. They'll, you'll, you'll, they'll, they'll just laugh at you again. I said, I know, but I've seen enough and heard enough to believe that it's real, and so I say it. That's the voice of a man named David Icke from an interview with Vice in 2012. Today, Ike is one of the world's most notorious conspiracy theorists. And even though he's been booted from platforms like YouTube for perpetuating conspiracy theories and misinformation about things like 5G and the coronavirus, he maintains a sizable following and has written more than a dozen popular books with titles like, quote, Human Race, Get Off Your Knees, and, quote, The David Ike Guide to the Global Conspiracy and How to End It, end quote. For decades, Ike has been at the forefront of one of the most notorious conspiracy theories surrounding the New World Order. The core of his belief is that the New World Order and Illuminati are in fact real, but they're also these unholy alliances between people and secret societies and evil lizard people. According to Ike, the lizard people also possess the ability to shapeshift, and they disguise themselves as politicians, members of royal families, and even pop stars. Okay, look, I get it here. The Phil Schneider stuff is weird, and to me, it seems totally implausible. And the stuff that David Icke promotes honestly seems totally fantastical and no way grounded in reality. I mean, look, it's not irrational to think that powerful people conspire to hold power. But come on, underground, blood-drinking, shape-shifting lizard people? Not only do those types of theories distract from actual conspiracies, they can also be dangerous. Because earnestly believing in this kind of stuff, it can have real consequences. Developing story now, authorities say it could take weeks until they determine the motive behind the Christmas Day bombing in Nashville. The bomber has now been identified as 63-year-old Anthony Warner. He died in the blast. 
Investigators say DNA from the scene matched DNA from a glove and a hat found inside a vehicle he owned. Nashville police posted this video of the explosion. Officers say they heard a warning from a speaker in the RV. It said, evacuate now, there is a bomb. The blast injured at least three people, damaged dozens of buildings, and knocked out wireless service in and around the city. That's a clip from CNBC that aired on December 28th, 2020. You may remember on Christmas Day that year when a man named Anthony Quinn Warner blew himself up during a bombing at the AT&T building in Nashville. It didn't end up taking long for investigators to find a motive. Here's a portion of an NBC News article that ran shortly after the bombing. Investigators are aware of statements the suspect made about an internet conspiracy that powerful politicians and Hollywood figures are actually lizards or other reptiles who have extraterrestrial origins and are taking over society, the officials said. Adherents of the unfounded conspiracy theory believe that politicians and other prominent people, including the Clintons and the comedian Bob Hope, who died in 2003, are actually lizard-like creatures sent to Earth and are responsible for a number of historic tragedies. Justin Bieber and the Obamas have also been named in the conspiracy theory. Federal investigators have also asked associates and acquaintances of Warner whether he believed in equally unfounded conspiracy theories about AT&T and 5G mobile service, and whether that was a motive for choosing the AT&T building as the site of the bombing. To Anthony Quinn Warner, theories about underground lizard people in the New World Order had deadly consequences. To most outsiders, they seem out there, but there can be real-world consequences to embracing and perpetuating these types of ideas. To be fair, when you look at the stories that we've discussed this episode, you can see at least why some people believe these types of conspiracy theories, even if they seem pretty ridiculous. But what if theories about hollow earth and lizard people are just distractions from actual conspiracies, ones that aren't just theories? At the beginning of this episode, I explained that there are two ways of approaching theories about Illuminati-like secret societies. One is through more fantastical conspiracy theories like Flat Earth and Hollow Earth. The other is by looking at verifiable historic events. The presidential election of 2004 was notable for a lot of reasons, but there's one that is often lost in the discussion. Though both candidates, John Kerry and George W. Bush, belonged to different political parties, they were both members of one of the most exclusive and secretive groups on Earth. Both John Kerry and George W. Bush are what are known as Bonesmen. Starting in 1832, every year, 15 seniors at Yale University are selected to become members of the secretive society known as the Skull and Bones. Remember from last episode, Yale is referenced in that strange scene from Stanley Kubrick's film Eyes Wide Shut, which is likely an allusion to the real-life secret society. But what was Kubrick trying to tell us? Though Bonesmen are not permitted to discuss what happens in their centuries-old, windowless headquarters known as the Tomb, it hasn't stopped people from trying to find out. You were both in Skull and Bones, the secret society. It's so secret we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? The conspiracy theorists are going to go on. I'm sure they are. I don't know. I haven't seen the website. Number 322? <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, he's not the nominee. And, uh, but... Uh, Look, I look for. Are you prepared to lose? No, I'm not going to lose. You both were members of Skull and Bones, a secret society at Yale. What does that tell us? Uh, not much, because it's a secret. <laughs> Is there a secret handshake? Is there a secret code? 
I wish there were something secret I could manifest. 322, a secret number? Uh, there are all kinds of secrets, Tim, but one thing is not a secret. I disagree with this president's direction that he's taking the country. We can do a better job, and I intend to do it. And we'll be watching Be Safe on the Campaign Trail. John Kerry, thanks yes, for joining us. And we'll be right back. Those nervous laughs are from interviews with Kerry and Bush that aired on NBC's Meet the Press during the run-up to the 2004 election. Both candidates may have dismissed the questions about the cryptic secret society, but concerns about the Bonesmen are very real. According to insiders, the tomb, the group's headquarters on the campus of Yale, houses the bones and skulls of significant historical figures. There are also rumors that young Bonesmen are forced to participate in strange ceremonies like sexualized rituals and, yes, drinking human blood. The whole blood drinking theme, it comes up a lot when discussing these types of groups. The other thing that comes up is the codes. For the skull and bones, there's one code that stands out most prominently. On their emblem is the number 322. The number is also on the door of a room within the tomb where members must go to confess their darkest secrets. And though there are numerous theories as to what the numbers mean, there's no firm answer. But what we do know is that their organization, it does seem to wield real power. And, though there are only a few thousand living bonesmen, their ranks have included three U.S. presidents and recently a U.S. Secretary of War, a U.S. Secretary of Defense, a Supreme Court Justice, prominent magazine publishers, numerous politicians and political leaders, and some of the wealthiest people in the world. Sure, blood-drinking lizards conspiring with powerful people seems far-fetched, but what about blood-drinking elites meeting in a secret tomb to perform dark rituals? At the core of the skull and bones theories is the idea that during their rituals, members are asked to perform acts so dark and nefarious that other members forever maintain knowledge of their fellow bonesmen that could ruin their lives if they ever came to light. Having each participated in the rituals, they are forever bound to a dark oath to work together, to pull the strings of power for each other and their cohorts. It's a sort of mutually insured destruction approach to blackmail. Okay, so according to the theories, using coded numbers and ritualistic knowledge, the hand-selected bonesmen go on to do the bidding of whatever strange forces are actually controlling them, and other powerful cult-like groups like members of Bohemian Grove. Like the Rosicrucians, Freemasons, and Knights Templar before them, the Skull and Bones operate by hiding in plain sight. Directly connecting them to global conspiracies is difficult, because the way they communicate is veiled in secret codes and mysterious symbolism. Yes, the verifiable existence of such groups is unsettling, but what is their end game? Conspiring to achieve and maintain power, that's one thing. But what is the point of all of the blood drinking, robed rituals, hidden treasures, and strange symbols and codes? Well, maybe another code, also hiding in plain sight, holds our next clue. For two centuries, we've done the hard work of freedom, and tonight, we lead the world in facing down a threat to decency and humanity. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order, where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind, peace and security, freedom, and the rule of law. That's a clip from the 1991 State of the Union Address being delivered by then-President George H.W. Bush, the father of George W. Bush. 
Did you catch that phrase he used to justify invading Iraq? He said it was to establish a new world order. For many Americans, at the time, it was the first time they had ever heard that phrase, new world order. The transatlantic partnership was never just the foundation of our security. It was the foundation of our way of life. It was forged an experience of the most bitter and anguished kind. Out of it came a new Europe, a new world order, a new consensus as to how life should and could be lived. That's from a speech from former British Prime Minister Tony Blair, a politician who would go on to say, quote, there is a new world order, like it or not. That phrase, new world order, it probably sounds familiar. It's a variation of the phrase that appears on the strange capstone in the Denver airport that says it is the work of the, quote, New World Airport Commission. Remember, that's a commission that doesn't and has never even existed. In 1994, then-U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger told the public this. The New World Order cannot happen without U.S. participation, as we are the most significant single component. Yes, there will be a New World Order, and it will force the United States to change its perceptions. Oh, this also seems notable. Henry Kissinger, he's a member of Bohemian Grove. At the time, the phrase may have been unfamiliar, stripped of any ominous connotations, but slowly it's made its way into public consciousness, as have theories about its true meaning and possible clues to an endgame for powerful, secretive organizations. So, what's behind this new world order that may or may not be pulling the strings of history through codes, symbols, secretive dark agendas, and maybe even blood drinking? That's next time on the season finale of Hiding Something. Hiding Something is an ironclad original. All episodes are written by me, Jesse Carey. Our post-production producer is Chandler Strang. Hey, if you like the show, be sure to leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to connect with more listeners of the show, be sure to check out the Hiding Something subreddit. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time.